Miss Nick Mahaney. We love you. God bless you. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. I love what I feel in this place. You know, we could just let it go and I believe we could shout. I'd try to run, but I'd walk real fast. But I believe God wants to change somebody's life in this place. I believe somebody has walked in here hungry. Hungry for something deeper. You ever get just tired of the same old you know, we, we, we're creatures of habit. We go to the same restaurants, the same, except for Mexican food. I can eat it every day. And sometimes we just get to where we're tired of it. Every once in a while, I get on my face and I say, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. But can I go deeper? Can I move deeper and closer to you? Because I need you with everything that's within me. And I feel that kind of presence in this place. I feel that God can change a life when you thought it was hopeless. You may be seated. <clears throat> I'm going to try to sing a song. The main reason why is because I'm always nervous before I preach. So when I sing, it kind of, whether you like it or not, kind of settles me down. Because I'm like a termite and a yo-yo, naturally, okay? So I have to calm down. But I'm so glad that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died and paid the price. That's what redeemed means. It means he purchased me. When I was unlovable, he loved me, and he redeemed me. Worship with me as I sing this song. Look at this prisoner 
and say to me, son, stop fighting a fight. It's already been won. I am redeemed. You said So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain. I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. I'm redeemed. All my life I've been called so unworthy. Voice of my shame and regret. But when I hear you whisper, child, lift up your head. I remember, oh God, you're not done with me yet. Sorry about my voice. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain. I'm not who I used to be because I don't have to be the old man inside of me because his day is long dead and gone because I've got a new name, a new life. You see, I'm not the same and I hope that carry me home I am redeemed you set me free so I'll shake off these heavy chains wipe away every stain I'm not who I used to be I am set me free so I'll shake off these heavy chains wipe away every stain I'm not who I used to be oh God I'm not who I used to be Jesus I'm not who I used to be I'm redeemed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, that's kind of like the song, but would y'all stand up? I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. If you have your Bibles, your iPads, iPhones, Kindles, Nooks, Androids, Watch, Apple Watch, how about just an old-fashioned Bible? 
I've never had the battery run down on my Bible yet. Say, so what, what percent are you on your Bible? <laughs> it's never happened before. So. Then I'm going to be reading from Amos 3.12. That'll take you a minute, won't it? See, people still preach out of Amos. That's back there with Habakkuk. I want to give honor to Brother Price. What a great man. I'm thankful for elders like him. That's paved the way for fat evangelists like me. His son, Richard Price, and Arkadelphia is the closest thing that I have to a father on this earth. He's adopted me, the poor guy, because I call him all the time. And I'm very connected with the Price family. I will admit, Elder Brother Price here is the smartest Price that I've met. So, <laughs> And the best looking. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard. That's a tough dude right there. And smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. <clears throat> and Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Now Amos 3.12 Page 1300 and thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and in Damascus in a couch. I want to read this first part again. Thus saith the Lord. As a shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear. And I want to preach this for a few minutes on the shepherd and the remnant. And I want you to help me preach tonight. I want you to pray for me that God will help my voice because somebody needs to hear this word. Let's lift our hands and begin to thank him right now. Lord, I worship you. It's all about you, Jesus. I need you to anoint me like I've never been anointed before, God. Lord, in your name, Jesus, in your name, God, let this word go out as seed that falls on fertile ground. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke a spirit of condemnation, and I ask that you replace it with conviction. In the name of Jesus, I cast condemnation out of this building. I cast fear out of this building because you're going to move in this place, God. You're going to change lives. God, convict us and draw us to the altar. Draw us to a place of repentance. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. God bless you. You see, being a shepherd 
was a tough job to have. A shepherd's job was not only to watch over the flock, but he also had to lead the flock to water and to eat and save places to rest. You see, this wasn't easy because also roaming the countryside were lions and bears trying to find him a meal like evangelists. Feed me and I'll never leave. So the shepherd was also the flock's protector. You see, this was his family's livelihood. Everything in the shepherd's life revolved around the flock. The shepherd would name every sheep in his flock, and he knew each and every sound each sheep would make. And he could tell if one of his sheep was hurting by the way it walked or if it was feeling bad by the way it sounded. You see, this shepherd loved the sheep and often would risk his life and sometimes lay it down for his flock of sheep. At night, he would put them in a sheepfold or in an enclosure. This was fenced in for their protection. This sheepfold or this enclosure only had one gate and only had one door. And this shepherd would lay down in front of that door or that gate. So if anything tried to get his sheep, it would have to come through him first. But you see, sometimes while out in the fields, a lion or a bear would get wind of the sheep. And being hungry would begin to stalk this flock. And in a mad dash, this beast would run up and catch up one of the lambs from the flock. The shepherd would then run up and attack this lion and pull, or this bear, and pull this sheep from this lion or this bear's mouth. You see, this is what David was describing to Saul in 1 Samuel. These shepherds, they would risk their lives and they would fight this lion or this bear with a staff and a sling for that precious sheep. You know what they would do? They would take that battered sheep and they would take and sew him up and doctor him up. Then they would throw him over their shoulder and they would carry it around until it was better. But you see, while researching this, I came across this. It said sometimes that there was nothing left but maybe a couple of legs or a piece of an ear. And the shepherd would still risk everything, risk his life, and rush up and take the remnants out of that mouth of that lion or that bear. Then he would put the remnants the best as he could back together, and he would throw it over his shoulder and take it home to be buried with his family. Because you see, there was no peace. There was no remnant that was too battered, too bruised, or too bloodied that the shepherd would not risk everything to save it from the mouth of the lion. Such were some of you in this place tonight. The devil had tore you apart. Sin had just about left you useless. There was nothing left but some bloody remnants. There was nothing left but some tattered pieces. But Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, he ran up into the mouth of the beast that was trying to devour you. There may not have been a whole lot left but a couple of legs or a piece of an ear. But my Jesus doesn't need a whole lot. He can take those bloodied remnants. He can take those battered pieces and put them back together again. His name's Kelly K. Wood. At the age of seven, he was abandoned by his mother. 
They found Kelly stuffed in an old discarded dryer. They said they counted over 100 cigarette burns on his naked body. Kelly was adopted and raised in a Pentecostal church. But you see, he never felt like he ever fit in. Because that feeling of rejection at such an early age had left a hole that only God could fill. And Kelly would never commit to God. So by the age of 12, he had turned to drugs and alcohol. You see, like everyone else, he was searching for a peace that only God could give him. But it wasn't long until Kelly was doing over 100 shots of cocaine a day. And it wasn't long before the law began to catch up to him. Because the only way he could keep up with his habit, he became a drug dealer. Kelly been going, started going in and out of the jails and prison system. Finally, the court was tired of messing with Mr. K. Wood. You see, he had already went to prison four times, 14 years of his life. Countless felonies he'd been charged with, over 100 misdemeanors. The judge looked at Kelly K. Wood once again as he walked into his courtroom. He leaned over his desk and said, Mr. K. Wood, I ought to give you life in prison. And the only reason why I'm not going to give you life today is because you don't have an attorney present. He said, the court will appoint you an attorney. And he looked at him and said, I promise you I'm going to give you life in prison. Kelly said he was on his way back to his cell in Harris County, Texas, one of the biggest jails in America. And he said on his way to his barracks, where there was over 250 men in his barracks, he said, when I got to my barracks, I walked in and I kicked something on the floor. He said, when I did, I saw it spin over in the corner, and it was a Bible. He said, I reached down and I picked up that Bible. He said, I knelt down in front of my bunk. And he said, God, I know that you're real, but I just can't seem to find you. Kelly said, if you'll help me and forgive me, I will live for you. He said, he opened up his Bible and when he did, it opened up to 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. It says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Kelly repented. He lifted his hands. God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost right there in front of 250 men in the Harris County Jail. He went back before the judge. Instead of life, the judge gave him one year. And today he's a pastor in Minnesota in a United Pentecostal Church International. You see, the devil thought he had devoured Kelly K. Wood. But God reached down into the depths of sin. God reached down into the very mouth of the lion trying to devour him. There wasn't a whole lot of Kelly because sin had just about tore him apart. But my God reached in. He took out the pieces. He took out the remnants. And he put his life back together again. I want somebody to know in this place there is no depth that you can reach that Jesus can't reach down into you. I don't care what the devil has tried to do to you. I don't care how he's tried to tear you apart. 
Jesus can take the torn remnants of your life and put them back together again. <laughs> Jeff Newland. Jeff raised on the streets of Nashville, Tennessee. Drugs and alcohol and crime was Jeff's way of life. Jeff told me he always felt the need to be the toughest. So violence was his means of dealing with things. If you disrespected Jeff Newland, he would deal with you violently. He was in and out of jails and prisons. Crime and the drug life had just about ruined him. He was sentenced to prison again when some Jesus name apostolics came by his cell. Come on, there's something about Jesus name apostolics. I'm going to just be honest for a second, all right, if you don't mind. One of my pet peeves is people call themselves apostolics, and they don't even baptize in Jesus' name. Come on, that's not part of the apostles' doctrine. There was nobody ever baptized in this word, in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Come on, every time they went down in the water, they went down in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm proud. I'm a Jesus' name apostolic preacher I know that Jesus wasn't the second person in the Trinity I know that hero Israel the Lord our God is one Lord thou shalt have no other gods before me I get up in the morning in the name of Jesus I pray in the name of Jesus I go to bed in the name of Jesus I lay hands on the sick and they are recovered in the name of Jesus I baptize people, and when I do, I baptize them in the name of Jesus. We're going to have to realize who we are. We're not like the church down the street. Come on. We're not like the church down the street. Miracles, signs, and wonders happen here. People's lives are changed here. Now, I'm not trying to meddle, but we've got, this is the last days are upon us. God is looking for men and women to realize who they are, stand strong, not be afraid to preach the truth. It still takes repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, the, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Or you're not going to the kingdom of God. That's what the word says. All right, I'll back off. Some Jesus name apostolics came by and they began to witness to Jeff. He told me, he said, I felt like maybe there was more to life than all that I knew. We're talking about a hardened criminal. We're talking about a man who had never prayed before. He said they left. He said I had a Bible sitting there, still wrapped in the plastic and cellophane. He said I opened my Bible, and I began to read where if I would repent, that Jesus would forgive me of my sins. This guy that never prayed before, ever, got down on his knees in his cell, one of the roughest prisons in Tennessee. He said, Jesus, 
Will you forgive me of my sins? Jeff said, I thought about naming them. He said, but I've done so many sins, I didn't know how to start. He said, Jesus, you know them. Will you forgive me? He said, it felt like a weight was lifted up off of his shoulders. He said, I'd never felt like this before. He said, but something kept telling me, read on. He said, I began to read in the book of Acts where the church spoke in tongues as they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. He didn't have no Bible study. He was just reading the word. So he said, I got down on my knees one more time. He said, I knew that when the police throwed down on you, raise your hands. He said, I felt like Jesus was throwing down on me. He said, so I raised my hands. He said, I said, Jesus, all right, here I am, Jeff Newland. Real spiritual outlet, wasn't he? He said, if you want me to have that Holy Ghost I just read about, here I am. The power of God knocked him in the floor. They said he rode for four hours in his cell with guards going up going, man, I don't know what's wrong with him. They're going to get other people. Come here, man. Newland's gone crazy. Four hours. This man began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave him the utterance. He said, I couldn't wait till next week when them Jesus' name people came back by. He said, because I didn't want nobody else baptizing me. He said, they baptized me in Jesus' name. Come on. They baptized Jeff Newland in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, the great shepherd reached into the mouth of hell. The mouth of hell was that rough Tennessee state prison. Pulled him out when there wasn't a whole lot left because sin had just about destroyed him. But I want you to know the master didn't need a whole lot. He took the remnants that were left. He made him new. I want you to know that a year ago, me and Jeff Newland walked into the same prison that he was incarcerated in and began to preach this Acts 2.38 message. Come on, we begin to baptize people in the name of Jesus. They begin to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. First Peter 5.8 says, be sober. Uh-oh. That's what it says, be sober. That's another sermon. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But I want you to know I have a God. I have a God. His name is Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I want you to know that Jesus can reach down into the very mouth of the lion that's trying to destroy you. He can give you hope when there is no hope. Come on, there is he is peace when there's turmoil and strife. Come on, Jesus is freedom for the addicted and bound. My Jesus can take fragments, he can take remnants, and he can put you back together again. Come on, Jesus! This man's name's David Doyle. Anybody heard of David Doyle? He's got a website called Electric Chair to the Pulpit. That'll catch your attention, won't it? He said at 16 years old, senior camp in Louisiana, God called him to preach. Two and a half years later, him and some friends committed an armed robbery and some people were killed. Jeff, uh, David Doyle said, I'll never forget 
laying on that bunk. He said, facing the wall because I was scared to death. And the guards walking up about every hour saying, that, you went too far now, Doyle. You're going to get the electric chair. They sentenced David Doyle to life without parole in Angola Prison in Louisiana. In the 70s and 80s, Angola was known as the, the bloodiest prison in North America. You see, the guards would leave at 5 or 6 o'clock, and the trustees would then become the guards. And they would have gladiator fights. They would do all kinds of things in this prison. David Doyle spent a year in solitary in a cell with no roof. He said where the mosquitoes and the ticks would eat you alive. There was no hope for David Doyle. He was lost without hope in one of America's roughest prisons. But you see, David Doyle had a praying grandmother and a praying mama that just wouldn't quit believing. Somebody came in and began to witness to David Doyle. They reached through the bars. They put their hands on his head. David began to speak in another language as the Spirit gave him the utterance. David began to preach in that prison for the next 20 years. David Doyle preached in that prison. He, he baptized guards. He baptized their families. He baptized inmates. He baptized their families. They put David Doyle on the prison radio, and he preached to three or four counties. Finally, they came in and said, you know what? We're going to commute his sentence to second-degree murder, so we're going to give him time served. Come on. Now David Doyle is an evangelist in the United Pentecostal Church International. Come on, the devil said, I got you, David Doyle. I got you locked down in Angola prison. There's nothing you can do. But my God ran up into the mouth of the lion that was trying to destroy David. There wasn't a whole lot left, just a couple of legs or a piece of an ear. But my Jesus doesn't need much. He pulled him out. Now, if I could have any kind of job... Somebody came up and said, we'll give you any kind of job. I didn't even read the book of Job for years. I thought it was job. You know what I'd pick? Being an evangelist. You see, I get to travel around, eat at good buffets, hear the best singing, and I also get to work with drug and alcohol people. I have seen, and I'm not going to exaggerate, thousands of people's lives change in the last eight years. I couldn't tell you how many people I've seen baptized this year. The number, I don't count, folks. I think God can do all that. But I couldn't tell you how many people I've seen receive the gift of the Holy Ghost this year. I've seen him come out of wheelchairs this year. Come on. I've seen a lady who hadn't walked in like almost 15 years. And she didn't come out like, she come out doing the old huckabuck. I don't know if y'all know what that is up here. But in the south, we do the huckabuck. That means you get with it. But I want to tell you about the worst drug addict that I ever seen delivered. You're looking at him, Nick Mahaney. Out of all the people I've seen their lives changed, out of all the people that I've seen baptized and received the Holy Ghost, 
I've yet to run into anybody that was as bound by drugs as I was. Right now, I've got veins in my arms that's dead. I've got scars I could show you on my arms from my wrist all the way to my shoulders. The needle tracks. I've got veins in my legs that are dead from shooting dope. I've never seen anybody as bound by drugs as I was. Raised on the church pew. I, I started singing in church. I know it didn't sound like it earlier, but, you know, maybe you'll feel sorry for me and buy a CD. Who knows? <laughs> I started singing in church when I was six years old. I started playing the drums in church when I was seven. I was playing the guitar in church before I was 12. Then I started playing the bass and everything else everywhere on street services. When I was a kid, my dad was nuts. He was an evangelist. Went back then, y'all remember the old jukeboxes? Every restaurant had a jukebox. Well, Charles Mahaney would walk up while I was playing, you're cheating, heart, and he'd pull the plug. And everybody would turn around and look. He'd say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm evangelist Charles Mahaney. I'm here in town to preach. I'm going to testify, but first my son Nick's going to sing. Sing, boy. I seen blind eyes open. I seen deaf ears unstopped. I seen demons cast out. But I smoked my first joint when I was just a young boy. I can tell you right now when it all started for me. I was probably eight or nine years old, and I stole my one of my uncle's Winston cigarettes. Went out back was smoking cigarettes. From that moment on, a spirit of addiction had a hold of me. Come on. You can say what you want to about smoking, but it's a spirit of addiction that gets on people. And it leads to other things. It wasn't long before any time I got anywhere near any kind of alcohol. Now, I'm talking about a young boy. I would sneak alcohol, whether it was communion wine. That's why I really don't do wine when I do communion. Y'all can do it however you want to. What did it matter? By the time I was 17... I'd already turned my back completely on to God. I walked out. Y'all heard some of y'all heard my testimony this morning. I walked out of church camp. By the time I was 19, I was addicted to cocaine. By the time I was 20, I was a crackhead. By the time before I was 21, I started putting needles in my arm. Anything that I could put in a spoon and draw up in a U100 insulin syringe. I was a violent man. If you dealt with me wrong, I, I had no compassion, no mercy for anybody. Or anything. No feelings in my life anymore. They were all blunted and jaded by sin. At the age of 38, I heard him say, your plea bargain is 40 to life. Party was over now, wasn't it? You see, there's fun and sin for a season. God doesn't show, I mean, the devil doesn't show the drunkard how bad he's going to feel the next morning. Come on. He doesn't show the drug addict how eventually he's going to lose everything that he has and possibly his life. He doesn't show the fornicator or the adulterer that the STDs or unwanted pregnancies. He just shows the good side of sin. So at first it was just one party after another, getting high, doing every what I wanted to do. But it wasn't long until sin had caught up to me. Now it was time to pay the price. 
40 to life in prison. My life was over as I knew it. I was 38 years old. I would never see the light of day in a free world. Checking into a drug rehab in Serenity Park in Little Rock, Arkansas. I knelt down on my knees and I said, Lord, I don't even know if you remember me, but this is Nick Mahaney. Will you forgive me of my sins? And immediately, and immediately I began to speak in another language as the Spirit gave me the utterance. Come on, the devil thought he had Nick Mahaney. You know what? I got you destroyed, boy. You're going to die in prison. There's nothing left at you but just some remnants and some pieces. But my God doesn't need much. There was nothing left but a couple of legs or a piece of an ear. But he reached down into the mouth of the lion. He pulled me out. And today, I'm telling you, it's been 12 years. I don't desire anything of the world. I don't look at the world because my Jesus has put my life back together again. If you got a couple of legs to follow him and an ear to hear his voice, come on, he will move in your life in this place tonight. I want us all to stand as the musicians come. I want you to put John 10, verse 7 through 11 on the screen. Powerful passage of scripture. It says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I want you to look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. 2,000 years ago at a place called Calvary. The good shepherd. The good shepherd. Pastor, I, I, I believe with everything that's within me, as he was hanging on that cross, he looked down through the ages. And he's seen me. I believe it. You know what? I believe he looked down through the ages and he's seen you. He's seen your life in turmoil. Go ahead, put on the facade. Oh, it's not me. I got my life in control. That's the ones that are usually in the most turmoil. Seems like to me, I, I, I don't know a whole lot, but the people that got it the most together are the ones you see on their face. Oh, God, forgive me. My pastor, James Lumpkin, one of the most misunderstood men in Pentecost. I can't tell you the times that I've seen that man when we pray, crying out to God, God, forgive me. I'm like, what's he got to forgive you for? He's broken. If I could just stay broken, I'll never go back. That's the key. It's 
not some big secret why Nick Mahaney hasn't went back to dope. Learn to stay broken. Can't do it without him. The moment I try, things begin to start happening that I can't understand. I, I, was, I could have preached on praise or something tonight. But I felt the Holy Ghost speaking to me. Saying somebody is in the mouth of the lion. This service is for them. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I feel your presence in this place. Come on, let's just be still for a moment and feel his presence. God, I'm asking you right now. Lord, I'm so inadequate unless you help me, but help me pull somebody out of the fire right now in Jesus' name. I'm talking to somebody. I want you to hear me. You're on the very precipice, on the very edge. We can look around. We all look like we all got it together. We're the church people. We got our suits. and All of us are looking the part. God sees through that. This could be it for you. How many times? I felt this same thing this morning. Now, I've only been preaching eight years, so I'm, I'm, I just do what God tells me to do. Somebody is playing around with your destiny. Can you imagine driving somewhere within 30 miles of here? And seeing two heaven, 270 something signs saying, don't come to this place. You know, in the New Testament alone, 270 something times, they warned, don't go to hell. The fire is not quenched, the worm dieth not. There'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth over and over and over. You'd be a fool to drive that many times. One of the greatest preachers around preaches to this congregation. My God, when are you going to realize it's not a game? You see, well, you're trying to scare me, preacher. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm trying to scare you. I've seen death take my sister at 42 years old. My grandson was four months old when I lost him. My dad was 64. Death doesn't care how much money you got. Death doesn't care what your social status is. Guess what? It's equal opportunity is death. I was talking to Brother Gentry. I'm a grace and mercy man. But when I get tired of hearing people say as they pass away, well, they went to a merciful God. No, they don't. They go to a judge. Your grace and mercy is here and now. Go ahead and gamble with your destiny one more time. Maybe it's going to be you that we hear about as a drug overdose. Maybe it's going to be you we hear in a car wreck. Come on. My God, the shepherd is here with his hands open wide. He's saying, come unto me. Come unto me. Come. Can you feel it? Can you feel him pulling for you right now? I'm begging you, if I could, I would lay down in front of the door.
not let you leave this place. Come on, who would make their way to the front right now? Come on, why would you pass up a chance to have your life changed? Come on, why would you pass up? Well, I don't understand everything. You know what? Sometimes you just have to step out in faith. Faith is not always being under, that understanding everything. Come on, I'm begging you to please come to the front. I'm begging you to come down here and please ask God to forgive you of your sins because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Come on, that's it. Come on, he said it. I'm, I'm on the threshold. I'm ready to come back. Come on, he said you must be born of the water and the spirit. That's what Jesus said. Come on, the water is right here. Baptized in Jesus' name. Come on, the spirit is being filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody needs to repent. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come on, tell him, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I need you, Jesus. Come on, this service was just for you. Come on, this is just for you. Come on, he's seen you this morning. He's seen you this evening when you walked into this church. He said, I died for you. This service is for you. Like I came in this place. When I leave here, I'm going to be changed. Lord, I am broken. 
Come on, it's going to be different when I leave this place. Come on, begin to worship. Begin to work through this crowd. Lay your hands on somebody. These signs are following them. I believe. 